so much for clicking on this video. We are going to be giving our Hogwarts Legacy review, sort of our final thoughts. Uh, Mike, 30 and so gaming, who joins me every week on Fridays, has completed the games on his second playthrough. I've played enough of it that I feel like I can speak to virtually everything except for kind of how the story ends. We will do our best to keep this spoiler free if you have not yet finished the story. We'll try to avoid major story beats and speak in generalities. Uh, If you're liking this episode or this kind of content, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button. That way you don't miss these streams. I'm going to end the previous stream we were talking about the day before uh, and where do we go from here? Where are we now? All of that. If you want to check that one, we came up with a pretty fun theory as to what's actually going on with that game. So thanks for being here, Mike. I appreciate you joining me every Friday. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And make sure when you guys come over on the redirect or watch the past broadcast that you're smashing that like button. It helps this video find more people on YouTube. And also consider all the other ways to support the channel, Memberships Coffee ETC. And also, there's a link in the description to Mike's channel 30 nsg you don't have to do anything it's like a it's like a highlighted name in the description you can just click his name and it'll take you right there that's a new thing that youtube did with handles so i the the first thing we should probably start with with the game like sort of a review before we jump into the specifics of pros cons the good the bad maybe things they could improve upon uh, and I also want to talk about Hogwarts Legacy DLC because they did seem to confirm that in some of their yeah. uh, discussions of it. But we'll kind of save that. Where do you... I, I know some people don't like to score games. But on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you score this if someone was asking for a solid score from you? Yeah, I'm one of those people that don't give scores. But uh, if if I had to give a score, this is like a solid 9. If not... Yeah, I would say maybe 9.5. Like, it's... That to me is like a, almost a perfect game. Okay, okay. So it's 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 hovering in the nine. I was anticipating this game landing on me sort of in a distant way. I was like, I'll probably like it. I thought I was going to end up giving it like somewhere between a seven and an eight. And currently, I'm hovering at the nine. I think by the time I finish it, I'll slip it down to about an eight and a half because there are some things I'd like to see polished a little bit and adjusted. Yeah. So let's just go big picture the things that are good, the the pros. Why does it land so high from you? What is it what is it doing that is so right after you've kind of gone beginning, middle, and end and have even rolled over into a new playthrough? So it stands at a nine for me, a little bit higher than a nine, because the first playthrough I thought was just great. The way uh just the open worldness of it, the structure of the gameplay. So like uh, it makes you play through the game. It makes you, to get to level 40, you have to complete all of the challenges, right? The only way you get to level 40, because once you kill, uh, let's say you have to kill 100 spiders, 100 spiders total. Once mm-hmm. you hit 101, you don't get any more XP for spiders, right? So you have to start killing, like, dark wizards and trolls and, uh, you know, mongols, whatever. You have to kill all those things, right? Once you hit that cap for the challenge, you get no more XP for that, so it makes you push towards the other challenge to try to complete it. So find all the landing pads, do all the Merlin trials, do all the, right? And I like that because, sure, if you want to play through the story, you play through the story. If you want to explore, you can explore. But if you want to get to max level, which it's just for completionist, um, I think it's done really well to make you do do that because there's there's the challenges, there's the overall like 100% completion, and then there's the 100% completion of if you're a person that wants to collect all the pages and 
all the Merlins and all the landing pads and all the brooms and all just everything, right? So there's a lot of ways that you can play it. You can just go through it as fast as possible, or if you're a person that wants to be the 100% person, you can you can dive into that real deep. Yeah, one of the things that that had me landing the game at a at a pretty high score. People in chat are chiming in as well. Dave is saying eight and a half after fifty hours. You know, nine to a nine. You know, some people are saying around eight. You know, eight to nine. So it sounds like we're kind of in good company with our score choices. For me, I would say the reason that it landed higher than I expected was I thought it was going to fall short on combat and exploration. I thought those two things will be will be super thin. And funny enough, I think they were so good that they actually exposed some of the deficiencies. It's like, there should be more combat, right? Like, people Mm -hmm. are like, well, if you explore the open world, you know, you might run into more combat. But I do think maybe the combat's a bit episodic instead of feeling like a fluid, living action RPG, which maybe they weren't going for that. But for me, that's where it landed higher. I thought I was anticipating being like, yeah, the combat's going to get old, or repetitious, but then all the previews and early reviews were saying, oh no, the combat's so much better. And then exploration as well, I was very impressed with just the depth in Hogwarts alone was beyond kind of what I was expecting to see. Are you playing on normal, or are you playing on hard? I am playing on normal, and I'm pretty sure that I would enjoy it on hard. I can kind of sense that that would add more. But I just wanted to enjoy my first playthrough and not, you know, sweat or die or, you know, yeah, yeah. Get, get frustrated. So I, yeah, I kept I, it normal. I played the first playthrough at normal. My second playthrough I'm playing, uh, I just got through Trial 2. Uh, I'm playing it on hard, and I'm enjoying it a lot more, the combat a lot more on hard. Um, it's just the the enemies are constantly uh, teaming up on you, and you're, you're dodging a lot more, you're comboing a lot more, you know, you're... you're uh, so it feels a lot better in the hard mode. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and Ant is saying, I prefer the combat in Hogwarts to the combat in Horizon. I I would actually probably agree with that, funny enough. Like, Horizon Forbidden West felt a little, you know, spammy, a little stun-locky. I was on the ground a lot. Now, they did make it to where you didn't lay on the ground quite as long in a patch. But I, I, I think I might actually agree with that. What surprised me with the combat was just the depth. There's a lot of combos... Um, there's a lot of things that you can do that really, I think, keep the combat flowing. And I don't even do the combat feats where like they pop up on the screen and it's like, Hey, make sure and do this, make sure and do that. Like, and you get, you get those combat feats. I'm, I wasn't even doing that. Funny enough, when I try to do those, I, I tend to get more frustrated because it's like, I'm trying to, uh, you know, ham fist something into my, my combat rhythm that might not be there naturally well i i don't think it's it's a surprise to anybody that people are enjoying the game and enjoying the the combat and the exploration but paul is saying that hogwarts is selling well because of the fandom it's not a generation defining game it's a good game with a great following not game of the year for me i'm gonna push back on that i actually think that the popularity of the game is beyond harry potter i think harry potter put jet fuel in the tank but it's such an approachable and enjoyable game my wife is not this huge harry potter nerd and she has played this game for 13 hours she has never in her life played a game by herself like she's sitting next to me a lot of the times 
but we're not co-op. It's not like when we played Borderlands or Diablo. And she's put in 13 hours. Like, I think it's just a very approachable and enjoyable game, regardless of your fandom level. Oh, sure. Like, I, I when I was reviewing it in the very beginning, I wasn't a... Uh, I've never read the books, and I've only seen the movies because I work in the film industry, and I really appreciate the movies, what they were. But I'm a Hogwarts fan. Like, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'm a, I'm a Hogwarts fan. I'm a fan of this game. I'm looking forward to this game having a sequel or two, whatever DLCs they have. They did a phenomenal job, and I know people are looking at this going... It's not a. It's not like a, a game defining game, but I, I think it is. I think it's a game defining for big IPs like Harry Potter, right? Like you see, remember when they used to make uh, games based on films, and you're like, oh, this is just one of those stupid games based in the movies type of thing. And then you would also get the the films that were, they're not based on the films, but they were, you know, along the lines of the movies or whatnot, and those were kind of lackluster as well. I think what they've done with this IP is now that's like Star Wars or Star Trek or any kind of other big name Lord of the Rings needs to look at what they've done in the past of some of the games that they've done and make a game like this. They can look at a game where it's set in the world of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but it's a mm-hmm. prequel, but they could do so much more than what they've done in the past with other IPs. And I think that's the big thing for Harry Potter and this Hogwarts IP because obviously it's done so well they're actually going to be making a television show now called Hogwarts, right? Like they're mm-hmm. like, so it's completely changed what the the persona was of, Oh, it's a, it's based on the film or based on this. And it's going to suck. And I think that's what it's done. I don't think obviously is this like red dead redemption? Is it grand theft auto? Is it a God of war? I think in some ways, I think it is. I think for people that are uh, Harry Potter fans, this is that game for them. This is that the game they've all been waiting for. And now this might be the first like gateway drug, you know, per se, to get people that have never played a game before. Now they've played this game, and now they might start dabbling in other games. I could see it being that because you get in, and then it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. And it was kind of, it was, it was kind of adorable. My wife was like, "I, I want to clear out my side quest." She's like, "They never clear yeah. out. There's always new ones." Yeah. I was like, "That's the kind of game that it is, babe." I was like, "There's always something new for you to do," and it was kind of annoying her. And I liked hearing her as kind of a. She's more of a. I wouldn't even classify her as a casual gamer. She's like a gamer by proxy. She'll game if I'm gaming, right? Mm. And for her, like just hearing her sort of non-gamer mentality about like those things are annoying, or she'll get frustrated with something. She'll be like just show me where it is. Like you know, she'll get irritated. I like that perspective. I think it'd be really fun to start letting her sort of review games or critique games because listening to her play Hogwarts I was like I wonder if the game devs thought about some of this because they made such an approachable game but some of the rough edges of the game I think great against both types of players and so maybe let's talk a little bit about that but before we do I actually I've got to read some of these things out loud that are just insane uh, the, Richard Rodriguez, I think, is trying to bait. I, it's pretty weak bait, but I think it's worth reading just for the sake of kind of giggling at it. He says, Hogwarts Legacy won't win this year because Zelda will always be a nine and a half and up in Masterpiece. We don't know that. I, it's 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 potentially uh, a possibility that Tears of the Kingdom gets long in the tooth because it's going to be on an old gen system that doesn't run all that well. It might not get the media darling treatment until it's on a stronger Switch. Also, they're going to be reusing a lot of assets and the same map. That could hurt it. But then he says that Hogwarts Legacy is better than Elden Ring. And I, I don't know if we 
can say that. Number one, I don't think we can make those comparisons because I don't think they really set out to be the same type of game. Um, right. But I think Elden Ring hit a level of quality and did things with open world exploration. They did things with diversity of build and weapon depth. I don't necessarily think you can even compare the games. It kind of feels like when you compare a summer blockbuster to a game that is clearly setting its sights on movie of the year, Oscar worthy, right? They're they're sort of in different categories of severity. I think Hogwarts will get a game of the year nomination, which I think a lot of people weren't expecting that. I think people were expecting this thing to be brushed off after a month, but I think it gets the nomination. I don't think it wins. I don't think it wins. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, it's way way too early to say who's going to win Game of the Year, even if Zelda and them haven't even come out yet. Like, it's it's definitely going to get a nomination. If it doesn't get a nomination, then that's that's wrong. Because it if it doesn't get a nomination, then it's because of all the hoopla that was around it, right? right. That'll be the reason. But it for what the game is, for what they've they've created a game and the structure of the game and the 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 repeatableness of it, the the whole loop. It's it's a game, man. It's a really good game. It will win Best Art Direction. It will certainly get nominated for Art Direction, and it will be a contender because Hogwarts as a school is impressive from an Art Direction standpoint. But it's got a lot It's got a lot to contend with. I think Final Fantasy 16, from what we've seen, will get a lot of, of attention for its Art Direction uh, given what they've been able to do with the PS5. But I do, I do think it stands to potentially win art direction, maybe even original soundtrack, because I do yeah, think those are, those are two categories it stands out in. Yeah, it'll, it'll be nominated definitely for art direction, score, uh, um, and definitely, um, what's it called, game of the year. I don't know, obviously, if there's some DLC and they, they do some sort of uh, multiplayer thing after the fact. I don't know if you saw the mod that they did for PC, the 10-player yep. mod that someone mm-hmm. did. I mean, obviously, I know it's, the, it's PC, but... Can you potentially see if if they did something like a like a GTA Online with with Hogwarts Legacy, where it's a separate separate mode completely, uh, and then it could be like continuation of a supported game of the year. You know what I mean? Like in a different in, in a completely different category. Well, that's what Creature thinks they're going to do. He thinks they're going to launch a Hogwarts Online game, and they'll use because they've built the world in the school. And mm-hmm. they, so they've built the space, and they'll use that space for online. So you wouldn't go into the school and see pages and be doing Revelio every five seconds. Right. But the building would be there, NPCs, quests, it's, you know, ETC would all be there, you know, bounties, daily quests, etc. would all be uh, available. I I think that's a decent prediction. Somebody saying Jedi Survivor could blow Hogwarts out of the water. Well, Jedi Survivor won't be able to commercially beat Hogwarts uh, no. By any stretch of any imagination, Jedi Survivors next gen only, and I just don't think commercial success this year. I, the only game that stands to even come close to Hogwarts' number of sales is Diablo Four. Nobody else is going to come close. They're too limited in their reach. Uh, all the other games coming out this year, Tears of the Kingdom, you know, won't because it's on one platform. I think that's always going to be a, a huge diminishing effect on the commercial success of the game well how much did um well first jedi jedi fallen order didn't even get nominated uh for game of the year last time it was out so i don't know if jedi survivor not to say that survivor won't because jedi i'm just saying that someone that thinks that that game's gonna blow hogwarts out of the water i mean it wasn't even nominated when it when it the first one came out 
Um, and then what did Zelda sell for for the very first run of it? You know, Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild. I mean, Poke- uh, Pokemon Scarlet and uh, Violet and Scarlet, whatever that that game is, sold 10 million copies in three days. So I'm sure if it's a big franchise, it could sell on one console the same amount that Hogwarts did for 12 million. But at the same time, you know, you're you're comparing a an IP that's been around for what 35 years compared to one that's just came out this this past month. <laughs> Yeah, somebody's asking about Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't stand a chance. Spider-Man 2 is only on the PS5. There's not enough PS... Even with PS5 saturation hitting great numbers this year, it it doesn't stand a chance. And the thing that people have to remember is Hogwarts has only launched on next-gen and PC. There's a ton of PlayStation 4s and Nintendo Switches in saturation, and that market hasn't even got to sink their teeth into Hogwarts yet. I... The commercial success of Hogwarts just continues, in my mind, to be an un, an insurmountable summit outside of Diablo 4. That's the only game that stands a chance, because Diablo 4 is very, very strong as an IP, and it is literally everywhere. Like, this is going to be the first time a Diablo ever hits PC and console at the exact same time. Right. So, I, I love all the games coming out this year. You know what's great about this debate is that we, we stand to have a great game gaming year we really do oh, yeah like there's a lot of great games coming but let's 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 kind of loop back to to the rough edges of Hogwarts where I kind of wanted to take us I do think watching my wife play and hearing her echo some of my frustrations and I am the guy that plays you know a game up one side down the other figures out the shortcuts I've got a chat I've got a huge advantage of people being like do this do that you know guides and all of that. I do think there are some rough edges in this game and and things that could be polished or made better and some of this has been echoed in some articles that I've seen. What would you say is one of the things that has, you know, frustrated you the most or some things that you would like to see, you know, updated if they were due to some kind of a quality of life patch to to smooth some of the things that don't seem like they were as thoughtfully built as others. Uh one of them quality of life is selling all of your stuff like in, instead of doing individually uh you know have like just like um, a division you know right trigger puts the the garbage can on everything and then you can sell it uh real fast when you're making potions i thought this was kind of silly inside uh, the room of requirements right i love that you build those tables you plop the tables down and you only can have seven tables but if i'm making a potion why do i have to go to each station and make one batch of potion per table Right, where one takes like 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Why can't I click on the health potion and then on the D-pad while I'm clicking, like I want, I want a health potion, but then I want, I have the the resources to make like 10 at a time, and then I just D-pad, uh, two, three, four, 10, whatever, and then it's a pot, it's sitting on there. So instead of 15 seconds, then doing it again, it just sits there for 10 minutes and cooks all 10 of them, and then you collect them all, right? Like. Stuff like that seems a little weird to me why they chose that you can do one potion at a time per table. Same with the plants and stuff like that, right? So if I want to do the plants, put the plants there and then put how many I want to grow on that table and then let it grow instead of me Mm -hmm. going back every 10 minutes and then pulling the plant out. So little things like that. Um, I'm trying to think uh, of another one. The day-night cycle, it's nice to have in the game. But at the same time, I feel like they're missing something with it. There's a couple of, I don't want to, there's, there's a time in the game that you use the day night cycle 
and you're trying to like sneak around the school and the way your character talks it, it feels like they've pulled something from the game and i don't right. know if it's because i don't know if it's because it was boring like it got repetitive or frustrating because you had to sneak around at a certain period of time and maybe that's why they took it out i don't know if they took it out um but that they could fix that a little bit to make it a little bit more maybe if you play on a harder level mm -hmm. you could get rid of that um also the lock pick i like the lock pick myself okay and there's really no difference between uh, besides playing on story mode it just opens and i think that's what people want i don't want that but there's no really difference in hard like the you know when you play skyrim your bobby pins or fallout they they break easier when you're on <laughs> yeah. harder or whatnot <laughs> like yeah 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 the vibration and stuff is not really different and hard compared to like normal right it's pretty simple to to do it so after the hundredth time picking a lock because you'll notice as you go through the game there's a lot of like level two level three type of thing they could fix that as well um i don't know maybe mm -hmm. once you get to level three you don't need to lock pick anymore you could literally you, you did the work to get up there now you can just open up the doors type of thing yeah, I the lock picking thing struck me as strange because I think people were complaining about the wrong thing. I think finding the moons for him was built incredibly poorly. The, the lock picking to me is fine. Having a mini game, right, to get through stuff is fine. You you do you do the frequency alignment in Batman Arkham. You yeah. you do the frequency alignment in Spider Man. It, it, the, the mini games throughout the map. This is what I think happened. Is you finally get to level two or three and then you go do like eight locks in a row and you're like this is getting old it's supposed yep. to be something that you stumble spread upon yeah and then you do and it's spread out and then you're like that's no big deal but you do five or five or six locks in a row and you're like all right i've, I've had enough of this and some of that's because i and somebody criticized this from a metroidvania aspect it's built really poorly like if you're going to give me an ability to then say, oh, I can get to new areas now. Like, the the best example in Metroidvania is always double jump. Oh, I can double jump now. As you're going through the game, those things start to come up. You're like, oh, this is great. I can kind of do this. I'm going to go retread a couple of areas. But with the lock picking, the lock picks for two and three were in so many areas and you ran into them all clustered. of the time. Yeah, and they're clustered together. Yeah, they're clustered together. So you're like, well, let me go get all these moons for him. And then once you get all these moons for him, you're like, okay, great. Now I can go get more. So like once I got lock level two, it was like, oh, now I can get more of these demiguises because it's like I can get into the areas. A lot of the demiguises are behind a level two lock. And then that touches on the night, the day night cycle. I would be searching the Hogwarts castle and you can see them and you can do the thing and you're like, mine now, Demi guys, but you'll only say that if it's at night. Right. And, and I can't tell if it's night some of the time. I'm in I'm in rooms without windows. So that's just another thing I don't think they thought through. I think they are a little guilty of game bloat. They went broad and they made tons of systems. And some of the systems interact in an awkward and a dissonant way. So mm. just letting me see on screen the time of day would be great. Just it's a sun or a, or a moon. Super simple, right? Nice little overlay. Um, and I also think that the changing of the time of day, I'm curious why they did that. Is there something more to that? Because you'll go to do a mission and... 
And I'm like, oh, you have to wait. Sit on the ground. And yeah. you just sit on the ground. And my wife's always like, w- wouldn't they question, like, oh, there's a student just sleeping in the hallway here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Waiting yeah, every for time, show- Literally every time I did that in the, in the game, I was like, yeah, all your classmates see you, like, sleeping on the floor. Your teacher sees you sleeping on the floor. I'm like, I'm like, why Why are we doing this? I was like, yeah. it, it makes no sense. Just hit the just hit the X button and let the let the mission start. Why do they fast forward to the day? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's, it's weird. And I think that has to do with the day-night like sneaking cycle stuff like i think there's something embedded into the game that they removed one piece but they didn't remove another and that that's why it does that yeah well and one of those things is i i think it's okay to have lots of things for people to do but i think a challenge in game design is those things need to be designed in a very winsome and enjoyable way or it becomes drudgery it's like well i would like to unlock all these doors i would like to explore and find all these things but you've set it up in a way that like you 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 set it up in a way where it's it's not enjoyable to do i'm doing it because i kind of have to i'm not doing this because it's an enjoyable uh experience and i I was looking at the game from that standpoint from moment one of, okay, they went broad. How is this going to feel? Because somebody has already said in chat, I believe it was Mantis, said they they played for two hours and it just feels like a Ubisoft open world game. I saw other people saying it's just a chore simulator. It's just got too much to do. And I just wonder if the bad practices of other games has led people to say, if a game has that map bloat and that go find a thing, go unlock a thing, I'm checking out because so many other games have done that. Do you think that poses a problem to the future of games? Because like, I, I don't think Hogwarts missteps very often outside of the demiguises and the locks. I don't think they misstepped. When I was trying to find What's-Her-Face's little like marbles, it was a little purple thing on the map yeah, and you knew fast. where to go and so it wasn't too hard to look for them do you think other games are, have made it more difficult to make a game like this now well my question is what are what are those people looking for right like all games have this like repetitive thing to them like a game is by definition is repetitive right so whatever that is and i always talk about it like each their own, right? Someone might play a game and love every single second of it and never feel like it gets, you know, overdone. Hence, Destiny, Division, any type of other, like, like looter type of game. And then other people look at it and go, yeah, no, I'm out, right? And sometimes it's one game does a better job hiding or making you feel like it's not repetitive, right? And and this is my Wizard of Oz analogy that I always say, right? Where the great and powerful wizard's behind the curtain and that means you believe that there's a big giant wizard that's controlling in the wizard of Oz. But all of a sudden you peek behind the curtain, you see the dude behind there and now your whole thing is shattered, right? You're like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a great and powerful wizard anymore. So when you're playing a game like this, if you get, if you start feeling like it's getting repetitive or you've peeked behind that curtain and you're, you're kind of tainted now from past games. If it is a assassin's creed game, Mm -hmm. if it is another open world game. So I think that's a, that's subjectively for each their own, right? I don't think a game can literally make everyone happy and make it feel like it's never going to get repetitive over time. It's just either you in or you're not. And sometimes people run through the campaign. Like I've played the first campaign completely different than I'm playing the second campaign. Like the first time I played, I put 93 hours in. I was rich as possible. I was really high level. I never struggled uh, to 
find anything, recipes, anything. It was just very simple because I explored everywhere and did everything. The second playthrough, I didn't open up all the $500 chests everywhere. Right, I'm struggling to get the money to buy a one little thing from the vendor. I have to like pause in between my side missions and main missions to, uh, you know, satisfy what I have to do to get to the next location before I move on. So it's a completely different, completely different feel. And I think a lot of people, if you play a game or you're like just want to beeline through the main story, that's not how they design the game. They literally designed this game to go on a main quest. And they send you over to like a section A. And when you're over there, they want you to uh, do the Merlin trial. They want you to fight all the guys that are in that area. They want you to collect all the chests in that area and then kind of progress your way. And once you're done, you move back to the other late. That That's the way they designed it. Now, you don't have to play that way. And then this is why you're going to start seeing or feeling that it gets repetitive because you're opening all the locks or you're getting all the chests or you're doing all of this all at once and you get bored. Yeah, Mantis says, I'm burnt out on that. I think a more on-rails Harry Potter game would be dope. And, and I think if they would have done that, you'd have people that are on the opposite edge of the spectrum saying it's just another super yeah. linear story-driven game where, in my pushback is, I've played those games enough. Like, if you and I play a game, and the only difference is the day of the week that we play it. We have the same virtual experiences, the missions basically go the exact same way, we're going in the same rooms, pushing the same buttons. That to me is so tried and just tired and worn out. This game, I'm playing completely different than other people. They come in like, they even said, they're like, it's kind of amazing how you're playing the game completely different than me. I've never seen anybody you know, doing the way that you're doing it. And, you know, somebody was telling me, hey, you don't have much ancient magic. You could go do those things and you'd have more of those. I was like, oh yeah, I had been completely forgetting about those things. And it made my flow of combat and it made my fights very, very different from, you know, the people that were hanging out in my chat. So, you know, in my my mind, I actually think this was the right approach. I don't think you could have done a Hogwarts Legacy game with four possible houses and the experience of a student and learning spells, I think this is the game that they needed to make, which might sound weird, but if they would have approached this any other way, I think it would have fell short in many people's minds as it's just another linear single-player game where I have little control over what is going on. It almost blends RPG and sim game because of the room of requirement and because of how enormous the game is i'm curious with you know people are kind of making the observation like immortal turtle said the part where you brew potions and there's a timers you know makes me think of mmos where they've implemented a timer and a waiter a waiting for crafting you know maybe they did consider some sort of live service you know to, to to have those things in place I am curious about that because it does feel like there are tons of elements of this game that, like you said, it's almost like they remove something or they stop short or there's something more coming. Maybe speak to that and the fact that it seems they confirmed DLC. The one guy came out and said, I need to qualify that guy's statements. You know, we don't want to shortchange the people that don't even have the game yet. He's basically saying like, we can't talk about the DLC until the game is shipped on all consoles. I don't think you need to qualify a statement about no DLC unless you're planning on doing DLC. 
Right, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. The the timers to me, I said from the very beginning when they first showed it, I was like, uh oh, timers, and I broke it down. I was like, is this a microtransaction haven because of the timers? And we had this conversation the other day when I was playing. I, I was like, why are the timers in the game? I was like, this makes no sense, even in the lore sense, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. you're in a world where you're sitting on a broomstick, flying around doing magic, and yet I have to sit here for ten minutes to wait for this plant to grow, right? right? And it's like, it's like it comes to like a halt. It's like why can't I just make the plan, right? Like I, I, I paint the plan and take the plan, then use the plan. I can, I can make my, my, my potions or, uh, you know, whatever else. And it just sticks out. Like I understand if there's a timer there because it was in the game originally and they left it in there, but I shouldn't have to wait to make a flask of thunder brew for 15 minutes for the plant to grow. So then I can just go make the, right. I already right. did the time of either, Finding gear to sell the gear to get the gold to go buy the plant seeds or uh, the actual plant from the vendor itself. Or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm waiting for the time and I'm doing other things. It's like instantaneously I have to go out in the field and collect this stuff or I have to buy the stuff or I have to, you know, uh, grow the stuff. So I shouldn't have to sit there for 10 minutes waiting to go do something. But I get it. It's like a tempo thing inside the game. It's like here's the potions. One takes 15 seconds, one takes three minutes, the other one takes 10 minutes, one takes 15 minutes. It's like, mm, okay. Kind of weird to me as far as the timers. I do believe there was some sort of, and I'll, I'll still say this to a blue in the face, I think there was a, I think there was a MMO or online aspect of it in the game at, at some point, and they took it out. And maybe we'll see down the line, maybe Hogwarts 2, who knows. Uh, as far as the DLC concern about him saying that we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to ruin it for other people I, I it would be pretty crappy of the company to all of a sudden because it's it's working for most people I, I know pc had problems with a lot of stuff with the issues with frame drops or crashing or, or whatnot they, they fixed those things but for the majority of the population they had a really good time with the game mm -hmm. if the games come out broken buggy on the old systems because they have just issues and they're right now they're working on those to make sure it's the smoothest possible and you got to give them credit, right? Like, the game came out, it's pretty smooth, so you would hope they were taking that extra time, the two months, to make the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One work really smooth. It would be pretty crappy if right now they start talking about DLC that's coming out in, like, August, and then all of a sudden the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One drop and the Switch drop, and they're in horrendous state, right? And all of a sudden they're already promoting the DLC coming out. So it's smart of them to keep quiet, let them let them work on the game and once that comes out if it if it's smooth then boom they come out right away and say hey guess what fans we have more hogwarts legacy for you to enjoy here's some dlc yeah yeah well and i, I want to push back a little bit too on what's being said in chat because wheezy's saying you know you could you don't have to be a super linear game or a map puke open world you can be in the middle i would actually say describing this game as having map puke or map bloat I don't agree with that. I've played plenty of games that have done that. This game is a very manageable map. There is not... I don't think there's an abundance of things to do. If you compare this game to Spider-Man or Miles Morales, I actually think this is dialed back quite a bit compar comparatively. Now, when you're in the school of Hogwarts, it gets a little dense and there's a lot to do. But if you look at the map, I, I don't feel that sense. Like, even yesterday... Or no, the other day I was playing and people were like, oh, you could go do the ancient magic stuff. I had a couple of ancient magic things that I had ignored on the map. I flew around, did them rather quickly, and all of a sudden I had more ancient magic. It, it, didn't, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm in a new town and I have a chase bounty and this quest 
and this quest and that quest and oh I have to go climb the tower and kiss the eagle so I can see the map it didn't do any of that it, it, I feel this is one of the most manageable open world maps I've seen recently which is why I think it's a little unfair if we group this into map bloat map puke games this game is a matchbook in comparison to like an Assassin's Creed Odyssey or something it's not even close Right. to that level of map density. How has your experience been with the map first time compared to second time? Uh, I I love the map. I, I thought the map was... Uh, I, I thought they did a very good job with the the spacing of it. You know, um, I, I, I compare this a lot to Red Dead Redemption 2. I loved Red Dead Redemption 2. I played hundreds of hours in that game, and I thought it was great because there was always something happening from once you walked into a direction. There was something you would shoot or kill or uh, explore or go into a camp. And in, in Hogwarts Legacy, they did the exact same thing, but I, I feel like they've done it better. I think they did better than what Red Dead did. Uh, there was giant map, but the, the sections in between weren't as far and, and, and few. Like, there's a, there's a, either a trial to do, there's uh, enemies, just random enemies, there's things to collect, there's little caverns you can go into, little puzzles that you can do. Each of the Merlin trials are different, so it wasn't repetitive doing the exact same Merlin trial all the time. Um, the density of the the places, like everything around the map, because Hogwarts itself is like that centerpiece inside the map, wherever you are in the world, like in the upper part of the map, there's like these planes that you're within, and where you're looking at the Hogwarts castle, it's just amazing. And then you're in the forest, and you can't see anything, right? You're like deep dark. Mm-hmm. In the, it's like mm-hmm. everything was just perfectly planned and how they did. They got the, the mountainscapes on the outside. They had the... I don't know if you want to call them castles or buildings in certain areas that were up high enough so where you were you could still see that castle in the distance man like it was it's it was just really really nice landscaping i should say uh inside the, the the map design and with all the the pockets of just things to do you literally could just and this is what i did my first playthrough i literally started at the top of the map and just started working my way down to each of the places and that's how i found all the chests that's how i got all the money and i was like super rich by mid mid map and i was like level 20 21 and i had like forty five thousand gold uh or something like that and i was just like this is this is fun so real quick uh ben in chat says it's supposed to be a review but all he hears is complaining you might want to rewind a little bit because we literally gave it a nine and a nine and a half in the very beginning so don't yeah, come I, in yeah i told him i told him i said guns. i said hang on hang on i said we were real positive in the beginning yeah. like I, i'm not gonna yeah. do a whole podcast just you know, praising the game up it's once fantastic. I done it. Fantastic! Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no flaws, no flaws. Like, I, I actually just, you know, just got done kind of defending the game against the map bloat uh, claims, and I do think though many people will come into a game like this, like my wife, and it's so interesting watching her play because she has a propensity to walk everywhere. Or, or fly, or fly. She gets her broom out from yeah. time to time. But she's not fast traveling that much. I have to tell her, I'm like, babe, you're going to walk all the way back to the school? <laughs> it's like, pull open the map and fast travel. Um, but I, I think that's interesting that the more casual player might experience this game completely differently. One of the things I love watching her play and do is she stumbles upon the things that we would treat like a checklist. So she stumbles upon, she did a mission, and when she came up from the mission, she said, oh wait, where was that thing? She likes doing the Merlin trials. I know that was nearby. 
doesn't pull open the map. She walks around and looks for it. And I <laughs> I just I wonder sometimes if we've if we've hurt ourselves to a certain degree. Have we sure. gotten to the point that we're we're so endemically efficient. We're just we're automatically yep. efficient at a game that we don't let the game just kind of be a video game. It's more about I got, I've got to check these boxes now she did say she doesn't like how there's always a new side quest to do but that's when she's in the menu when she's in the world you know she doesn't seem bothered the only thing she got annoyed by was the moons because i told her i was like well yeah you got to turn it to night or you you can't really find them and that did bother her a little bit but i did appreciate the more organic approach that she took because she doesn't have that gamer dna so deeply woven into her brain you know what i mean yeah, no, I. we have to remember this as a as a person that's been gaming since I was three, and I'm 44, mm-hmm. right? I've been gaming for over 40 years, and that's not an exaggeration. That's literally, I've been gaming since the Atari 2600 days. I think we are, because the developers don't make games. They're making games for gamers, but not for the gamers that are so, like, minute of, oh, the most efficient path. You don't want to do this. Like, you're not, majority of the population doesn't go to YouTube to find things. You know what I mean? Like when they're looking for everything. Majority of the population just plays the game and just enjoys the game what it is. So there's a balance there where they got to make the game entertaining enough for us, the gamers, right? But for casual gamers out there, they got to make it where they're they're holding your hand, but at the same time, they want you to explore and figure it out for yourself. Uh, And I like the non-hand-holding type of stuff, right? Actually, one more quality of life thing that I think that, like, you, you zoom out of the map, and a lot of people don't know this, but if you zoom out all the way on the map and you highlight over the thing, it tells you like how many chests, how many statues, how many pages and everything like that. You only see that if you back all the way out of the, of the map. I wish you could mark stuff on the map because my first playthrough, I collected everything that I saw. Mm-hmm. My second playthrough, I do not want to open the collecting chests, like the big, the big, big chests that you see. I want to wait to open those till later I'm at a higher level because they always have... Unde- uh, un, uh, unidentified like gear that you yeah. can then bring to room of requirement and then it goes to your power level and I forget where those are I don't collect them now I just leave them where they are but I wish I could put a little marker on the map to go yeah that that's a thing I mean you're already doing this to reveal everything you can mm-hmm. see everything through the wall mm-hmm. there's already a whole bunch of little markers on the map I would like to add my own marker on the map to to find those chests if I don't want to collect them right away yeah, yeah. The somebody mentioned that in a quality of life. It was like an article or something. They said something to the effect of you stumble across something and you have no idea when you'll be able to do it. And not being able to put like a marker is a, is a huge bummer for people. They're like I I would like to be able to put a marker to say, "Hey, I need to come back and check this later." And that's where I think the icons are, are, are helpful. And people hate the icons. I would say the HUD in this game is good. The, the map, you pull it up, there's icons. You can set them. You can set those things. But you don't have to do any of that. It's not like they're punching you in the eye with all these icons, you know, and question marks everywhere. It's not like that at all. I actually found the HUD to, in this to be very uh, to be very uh, tasteful and, and very, you know, not annoying. I turn it all off whenever I'm trying to get screenshots for thumbnails. That's kind of fun. I do think a photo mode would be really, really nice. On the subject of combat, 
what was your thoughts on how combat felt a little more spaced out i think the combat to me was the most exciting when i would just be sort of roaming the open world and it had that almost like an mmo open world rpg feel where you just stumble upon a bunch of spiders or frogs or wolves and it's like oh my gosh i'm getting attacked did you feel similar to me that especially with the trials and the bosses it's like eh, you guys didn't go far enough here you built an amazing combat system but you didn't really give me great arenas and instances to use it i kind of feel like it's like they give you this amazing motocross bike but you're always on like the kitty you're always on like the kitty courses you can't really right and i know people are like oh turn the difficulty up turn the difficulty up I don't know. Maybe this is on me. Maybe I'm maybe I've been playing it too truncated. Like I go from side quest one day to main quest another and maybe that's separating the combat for me. Maybe that's that's a that's an experiential thing. What were your thoughts on combat? Did it feel spaced out? How and and what did you think about the trials and the boss fights cuz those felt a little canned and and repetitive. Uh they didn't feel like they I wanted I want I want them to do more with the combat because I feel like they really built an amazing system that hasn't fully stretched its wings yet. I really, I was concerned about the combat before the game came out. When I started playing the combat, I was like, oh, this feels fantastic. Uh, playing on normal felt good, but it does feel better on the hard difficulty. Like if, if you switch it up, like we said in the very beginning, you'll feel like the game kind of balances out more with the with the hard difficulty. The, the spacing between the, the bad guys, I the, the guys that you find out just wandering like in the forest or on the pathways, there's not enough of them. There's just like two, and, you're, mm-hmm. and you can kill them really fast. So they could have added up a little bit more. I was hoping that on hard, maybe more people would show up. Um, there are more on the, like, the dens that you go to, like for the spiders and the trolls. There are a couple more like uh, waves, I guess you could say, that come out and, and give you a bit more problems. Mm-hmm. The boss fights, the trials, first time through, I was like, all right, this is cool. Like, lore-wise, the 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 guardians that are protecting, it, it fits the motif of it and stuff. But I don't want to kind of, like, ruin it for anybody, like, if you haven't gotten too far. But it gets it does get repetitive. But I did like the big boss the first time I fought him with the, uh, the, the little minions that are there, then the medium-sized guys there, and then the large guy. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish he moved. Like, he just stands in the center, and I thought yeah. that was a little lackluster. But the actual mechanics that he did uh, where he does the stop for the area of effect, he has the ball chain once you get him down a certain uh, amount, and he, he swings it at you, and that, that has an area of effect. He's got those orbs that comes, and then he's got this little thing that pops up and then shoots at you. There's lots of little things that they did really good for the boss fight, but if you're not ta- if you're not putting your talents in, uh, the first time I fought him in, the, in my first playthrough, I was nickel and diming him. I was like, "This is this is taking forever." I was like, "This is bad. This is bad," right? But then I realized it was me. I didn't put my talent points in. Uh, the second time playing on hard, it was a breeze. It was a breeze, and I was just like, "Now, nah, because I know how to do the combos, build up, build up my uh, ancient magic and and all that stuff." It does feel better, but I wish they kind of made it a little different for the boss fights maybe trial two could have been different than trial one and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. um but i think for the first time doing it i think it's a it's a it's a good starting point especially now that we know that this game's probably going to get a sequel and they'll just add to it and make it better the 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 next time around or even Uh, dlc 
Yeah, on the subject of a sequel, another thing that I was I was kind of surprised by was the story itself. Now we don't want to we don't want to spoil major story beats, but when you're look this is not this is not spoiler. When you're looking at the memories and you're seeing some of the stuff that happened in the past, I was actually struck by how this is really well told, like especially the one character uh, I believe his name's like what Lodgok or whatever his name is. The guy he's like telling you a story about something that happened and somebody was really nice to him and stuff. And I was like, this is actually really well done. Like, will is well written, good voice acting. I was also kind of not expecting that that there was this actual deep story that kind of touches on what you would consider to be significant wizarding world lore and I wonder if this is going to be considered canon it sounds like it's probably going to be considered canon if they're entertaining the idea of doing a Hogwarts legacy TV show of some sort and with how many mainstay characters and the history of the houses like I went down and got to see a really cool area with respect to the history of Slytherin this is this is great not just for Harry Potter fans I found it to be pretty cool. And I'm not the lore guy. I don't really get typically into that or story or dialogue. And this was a game where I started feeling like I was kind of watching the cutscenes. I was listening to the dialogue. I was interested in the characters and, you know, what was going to happen next. What are your thoughts on, you know, you've played through the entire game and we, you know, we obviously don't want to don't want to spoil major story beats or the ending, even though we are pretty far out. I still want to be care- careful and cognizant of that. Where where do you land on the story? Did you find that it was good throughout? How'd you feel about how it ended, the resolution? And does any of that sort of lend itself to, in your mind, does it lend itself more to the live service ongoing or sequel? Yeah, I, I thought the from the very start, I thought the voice acting and the, the story was was good. Um, I I would even say some points are great. Like there's moments in the in the actual story that are great moments. Uh, there's, there's even like this... Uh, there's this one moment it's early on like when you get your mount like when you get your flying mount and you mm-hmm. you first take that that mission and the music kicks in and then just that that whole story beat that's going on you're like man this feels good like it, it feels like an epic adventure that you're mm-hmm. on uh, and you're part of the the film there's another thing that ha- have you finished the game yet have you finished the story I, no i think i'm pretty close but i have not finished okay. it there there's an epic moment that happens and you'll know when you get there uh and you're just like holy christ this is this is pretty intense right and there needs to be more of those moments that I'm trying to talk about, but I can't because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it's 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 done very well. It's it's done to that level of it's almost like a triple A or a, I should say a blockbuster movie moment uh, when it when it happens. I thought the char- the cast of characters. I thought I think Fig Professor Fig is awesome. I love Fig. I was yeah. I was like I actually almost like the teachers in Hogwarts better than the teachers in the movie i i know it's weird but my one of my biggest constru- constructive criticisms for this is i want more I, it's not even a constructive criticism of like bad i had so much fun with the story characters with like sebastian and and nate and now uh, and poppy that i wanted more of it i wanted to go on more missions side missions mm-hmm. with them i mm-hmm. wanted to do more missions with the with the teachers um and, and just get to know them more because in an rpg like this i want to know as much information as possible within the this type of world and that's why i play these type of games i love the lore building the world building um and i i thought each each cast of character was great each each character was fantastic 
and they marketed uh simon Pegg's character big time for this for this game and yet you, you really don't get to see him that much and i was a little mm -hmm. disappointing as well but there is a moment in the in the game you'll absolutely love uh when you get there with uh with his character uh, I, th I think they did a wonderful job. Like I said, I, I have nothing really like terrible to say about the game. It's it's, it's just a yeah. really good game all around. Yeah, I know what moment you're talking about with him, and I really enjoyed it. And I was impressed. A lot of the times, I recognize voices and actors and things like that. And my wife, she she totally scooped me because Mrs. Uh, Professor Weasley, that's Mrs. Patmore from Downton Abbey. And she's a main oh. character in Downton Abbey. She's a very recognizable voice. And she said that, and I thought, we looked it up, and I thought, oh, it is, it's her, it's totally her. And that, I think, made me appreciate it more, is that they, they got some really, really good voices. And I agree about Fig. I think he's fantastic. I, I just started, I'm reading through the Harry Potter books. I want to kind of gauge how scary they get, because I want to read them to my kids when I'm done with the Redwall series. And I, I got, you know, a couple of chapters into to Harry Potter, and there was a Mrs. Fig, but with two Gs. It's not no relation. Oh. And I thought, oh, I wonder if they did that on purpose. It's it's not related at all. But I I think that is one of the one of the other shining spots for me is when it started, I thought, pretty good story. Pretty good prologue. Okay, cool. And then they kind of make you interact with the NPCs rapid fire at the beginning. Like Weasley's talking to you, then this guy's talking to you. Everybody's kind of talking to you to get you oriented. But And, and I kind of was, okay, cool. Yeah, we went to Hogsmeade. Okay, cool. You know, shut up about it. You know, that's a glad rags <laughs> promise. Like, I don't need to hear that anymore. You know, that looks like it was made for you. It's like, okay, stop telling me that when I try on the, uh, right. the clothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then... You sort of get some distance from it. You get you get to kind of take a break. You're not really listening to people talk. You're not really getting you know inundated with NPCs. And then I feel like the story kind of comes back around, and you do start caring more about the characters and your relationships. Like I really enjoy the stuff that they do with Sebastian. I enjoy how that you know that that that's still not resolved in my uh, my game experience. Yeah, everybody loves Poppy. You know, she's all about it, man. She'll throw down. She'll go out there and rescue animals with you night or day. She doesn't care. <laughs> like, she's always ready to, to get in a fight. I even think if you look at some of the characters' facial designs, I actually think they've built this game with an aging technology. I think if you look at Poppy especially, I'm like, they they, they they can age her. I think they can push a button and make her get older. Oh, I you're saying that older, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, next year you're going to come back and all these characters that you interacted with are going to be a little bit older. They're going to be, you know, maybe we can get some scruff and some beards in here, right? You know, get a little bit older so we can <laughs> not look like myself in the ninth grade. You know, I'd like to look a little bit older. On the subject of them confirming DLC... You and I debated chat a while ago if people want to go watch the Hogwarts Legacy live service debate. I thought that was an excellent debate because it was basically me and Mike against the chat. <laughs> you know, and we could revisit that debate a little bit again because I do think there's two different ways to approach DLC expansion or ongoing content or sequel, okay? Having played through it as much as you have, which do you think is more likely and which would you prefer? Like, where do you kind of see that that landing? Because I've 
I've I'm torn. I find myself some days thinking, "Yep, they built this for sequel," and then other days I'm like, "No, let's do seasons and a battle pass and give me a Christmas event." And then other days I'm like, "Give me ex- big expansions." Like I don't know where I land truly because I think they, there's so many different ways they could approach it. I after playing the game, look if if it's just a one and done game. I'm okay with that. Like I had a great time with the single player game. And if they don't add any co-op or multiplayer or DLC or battle pass, I'm, I'm fine with it. Right. But man, this game feels like it needs a, it, 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 it does need a battle pass. I shouldn't say battle pass. Let me take that back. Season pass. It needs a, it needs something where they're constantly adding more stories to your classmates. Like, what about if it's a DLC that comes out and it just focuses on Poppy or only focuses on Sebastian after after the story? I almost, I almost said something there. After after the story of, of Sebastian, right? Like, it would be really cool to dive deeper into your other classmates that we didn't get to hang out with and, and whatnot. And I think they could do that. But here's the problem with that. This, the game is enclosed into the one school year. By the time you're done with the game, the school year is over. So if the DLC comes, it has to take place after the school year, which means it's the summer before, in between the years, unless mm. you start the game over, right? And then that DLC, like, fits itself in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just weird because of the way the game was created with the school year in mind. This is why when someone says they, they, they could bring in Quinnage, I'm like, they talk about how it's not in the school year. So where would that fit? It would have to be a separate game mode where you're not your character, you're just being a, a, a student playing ha, uh, a Quinnage. You're not your character playing Quinnage, right? It, yeah. I, I know it's weird and it's a video game, but the way they have established the lore and the and the, the world building in this game, it would just be weird if all of a sudden they threw in Quinnage and it's the summertime between five year five and year six. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's 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 really hard to, to find out how they're going to add the DLC, bringing it in. I one again it would be more of the stories i really like and i compare this to mass effect mass effect one of my favorite games of all time mass effect 2 in particular i love that you played mass effect 1 and you brought shepherd into the next game and the relationships that you created friendships or love relationships that you brought into the next game as well and if and if something happened to those characters like you were attached to those characters if they died or you, you fell in love with them or whatever and that right now is what I think they could build up on. So if this is a single player game and then all of a sudden, let's say year six, maybe Poppy has a crush on your character or maybe Sebastian has a crush on your character and you build up that friendship. And I'm not talking about like sex scenes because it is high school, but that puppy love type of relationship that you like you can build up with those characters would be interesting type mm-hmm. of effect that they, they would grow with the with Hogwarts 2 or Hogwarts 3 type of thing. So because of the way they designed the game, I don't know if they could do a live service. I don't know if they could do the DLC they want to do. I think it's just a standalone one and done. Yeah, I could see a handful of options because I, if they resolve the school year at the end of the game, that gives them a lot, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of freedom. Because then they could say, hey, listen, you're in this indefinite period of time where time doesn't really need to pass. Like, they can just kind of live in the summer for a while. And that could be easily done with Quidditch. You could have a Quidditch training summer where like, hey, we're going to bring it back. And because the one teacher clearly wants to bring Quidditch back and, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to you about it throughout 
the the game. Thank you, Fat Steven, for sending everybody over. Guys, welcome them in when they get here. And, you know, and so you could do, you know, seasonal kind of content. You could do, like, a battle pass of some sort. You could do events where... Because right now, as you're playing through the game, all of a sudden, the game changes. My, my wife was playing the one night, and I thought... Why does your game look so much more colorful than mine? Well, my game is currently in the winter and hers yeah. was in fall. And I was like, oh my gosh, the whole game looked different. Her, the trees, the hillsides, all yep. of it. I was like, that's awesome. That's just like, that's kind of begging for the seasonal ongoing live service element. It's like, that's just begging for that because the entire game changes when, when those things happen. Because, you know, at one point, she wants to be in my game because in my game Hogwarts is decorated for Christmas and yeah. Harry Potter and Christmas just kind of go hand in hand like it's just cozy like there's Christmas trees and wreaths everywhere like I kind of wish that this game could have come out around Christmas like it was supposed to because I think that would have been really really good for the marketing and it would have made some of those scenes like extra cozy if there's literal snow outside and snow in the game so I, I could see the seasonal thing I could see you know, the, the season pass thing. But I also think if you're going to do season, I've continued to tell people this. I do think that needs to be combined with expansions. Mm. And I, I'm looking at Diablo 4 thinking that's going to be their method. Seasonal format, season, you know, every couple months, you've got this thing that you're going to be doing. And that that lends itself to leading to an expansion. Now, obviously, in Hogwarts Legacy... If they do a Hogwarts Legacy expansion, that would require going to the next year. Unless right. it's a summertime trip thing where like you're going to go visit Wagadu, the, the school in Uganda, and maybe you you study there for a, a while or something. So then they can kind of leave Hogwarts encased in time. Like it's kind of a thing like you're not really thinking about it. You're just like visiting. Because if not, they, they, they'd have to advance the school year. You'd have to go up in years, which that kind of gets rid of the, the idea of being able to do a sequel. If Right, but just like Grand Theft Auto did, where the game was a standalone story, it told its story, and then you played your character online, right? Like, you've made your character for that story of Hogwarts, but if they potentially make a Grand Theft Auto online for Hogwarts, like we said earlier... Then that, that that this throws everything out the door because then they can have seasonal as seasonal goes like next Christmas during Christmas time they change it into Christmas or Halloween and 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 vice versa and you make a separate character now to live in this this always online environment type of thing where it's not mm-hmm. like an MMO it's a it's like a light MMO type of thing they could do all the DLCs and do updates and different missions and put different things on the map and have events and have that could be something they have in the future but as of adding it to the single player game i think it's harder just because of the story driven elements yeah yeah people are saying you know you could do some time lapse where all of a sudden you become a teacher and then obviously if you're a teacher that'd be you know you'd be doing bigger and more important missions you could be going to other places i i could see that i don't know if they want to time skip and have it to be where all of a sudden Dumbledore is there as a student, you know, because this it's within the time frame where that could happen. He would be yeah. obviously very young, and you know that could be another element of them tying it to the larger world of Harry Potter. I think at some level they're going to want to avoid that. I don't know if they're going to want to bring in. Th- there's whispers of the world 
to come, right? You got teachers with the last name Weasley and Black, you know, and I think that's good enough. I don't know if you want... I don't know if they want to do that. They have indicated in interviews that this is a long-term franchise, and I do think that if it is a long-term franchise... I'll be interested to see how that plays out, especially if they're wanting to kind of couple it with with the TV show and with other pieces of content. I think that is that's always curious because that that can get kind of bad when you get suddenly into TV show video game crossover. Those those those, <laughs> those sometimes don't turn out that great. I I can see them 100% putting Dumbledore in either in the next game like hogwarts 2 or like year six or maybe he comes in when you're in year seven like he just comes into the school and you meet him and you're like oh my god and that instantaneously i know it's such a small moment but that would connect it 100 to your character so if they ever did make a a reference to a oh the last time was a fifth year you're like ah oh, i was the fifth year like we were the fifth year like that that's that's it and that connects you into that harry potter world type of thing yeah, yeah, I could get down with that, and I and I and I see kind of people in chat debating how they could do it. You know, Dave is saying they could do it like Fallout seventy six does it with their seasonal events for online. Um, going backwards in time would work better, says Jaggy. Get armored up for real. Yeah, I don't know if they would want to go back in time because that would feel like a pretty big loss for anybody that has you know, invested in their character, the school, and the story. It'd be weird to suddenly go back in time. We've already gone back in time just to set this game up, right? Like, we're well before the era of Harry Potter, so they could do the fifth-year character kid story. Yeah, I, you know, again, I think that the danger of... The danger of what they've created is... The world is so great to be in. The school is great to be in. You invest a lot in your characters. And if people feel like they lose that, they lose an element of that, I think that can that can lead to, to frustration. Like, well, why would I play this game? Why would I dive back in? You, I just lost all of my work. I just lost all of my characters. Right. And plus your character, because we make our own character, it would never tie in. Like, you would never see our character on the screen like the big screen. If they ever did like Harry Potter over again and they happened to make a reference, it would only be a reference in passing, like in a note or a book or uh, a story. Oh, the last time someone was this powerful is when it was a fifth year back in, you know, over a hundred years ago. And you'd be like, oh, that's us. But they would never show your character because each of us have created our own character for this. So this is a self-contained story. So once they're done and they move it to six and maybe they do skip seven and maybe you're now an adult and you graduated and now you work for the Ministry of Magic or something. You know what I mean? Like, that would be interesting if, if they did stuff like that. But I think because Avalanche Software and Portkey made such a deep, rich lore of inside this world, like they can't do what most people want like they do with other games. I think they, they want to structure it and keep it within the realm of what they've built. Yeah, yeah, because people are bringing in, you know, Grindelwald and Dumbledore next game would be cool, then become a teacher and meet Tom Riddle. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you could tie it to some pretty big moments and and, and really, really land it. I, I think my only sort of lingering concern for the franchise is not their commitment. It's not the ongoing content. For me, the big question mark is about, what, a month and a half away when this thing lands on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. 
because I've had my own oddities with performance. I had the entire game freeze on me the other day, and it slowly... It was very bizarre. I had somebody in chat, I believe it was Abe. Abe said he had the exact same thing happen in the exact same place. I was in like a like a dungeon fighting some spiders, and everything froze, and then slowly it was like, it was like a slideshow. It like slowly oh. ticked, and then all of a sudden everything was back. So it wasn't like a frame droppage. It was, I, I don't even know what I would describe it as. I've also, go ahead. You're playing on PlayStation, right? Yeah, PlayStation 5. Was, was Abe playing on PlayStation as well? I don't know what platform he was playing on. I think he's here. I think he's in chat. We could ask him because I even was playing one night on PlayStation 5 and my wife was playing on a PlayStation 5 and I swear my game was dealing with memory leakage or something. Like mine was jittering and stuttering Mm. in places that I've never had that happen before. Uh, The other day I was playing in a live stream and it didn't load in any of the assets for the ground. I was running around on the ground and there was nothing beneath my feet. I fast traveled and it fixed it. And it's like, if those types of things are happening on these consoles, I just really, really hope they've they've right. taken the time and the due diligence to make sure that it that it runs really, really well on those old gen consoles because that would be a giant damper on how the how well the game has been yeah. received. That that would all the people that hate this game and they're all seething at its commercial <laughs> success. They would right. ru- they would celebrate that. They'd be like, "Yeah, I told you this game was bad. It's crap." Blah blah blah. Yeah, they're they're putting their picket signs down right now. They're like wiping them off, and right as they wipe them off, they they hear the news and they're like they bring it back out and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it sucks." Yeah, I, I think that's what they're waiting for. I. I hope they have a smooth launch, man, for it because all the goodwill that they build up and all the people that are waiting for this game, like watching, nipping at the bid to play the game, yeah, it'd be really disappointing if it if it did major issues. I when I first started playing the game, the first hour, I think it was the first thirty minutes, uh, I fell through the map. I, I brought this up when we for the, the first time we talked about this, and then I went back on purpose to see if it was just a glitch or if it'll do it again. And it did it again, meaning they forgot to close up the ground there in, in a way and you, you would fall through the map. Other than that, I had the game crash on me once, but since they did the update, the patch, I think week one or whatever it was, week and, week and a half in, I've never had any other issues on the Xbox Series uh, X. And the only other thing is once they did that update, I did notice a lot of flickering now, but it's like very minute flickering. Like if I get loaded into Hogsmeade and like I start running, it has this little flicker and then all of a sudden it, it fixes itself which wasn't there before the patch hmm. which is there now after the patch so i don't know but i, I didn't have any kind of major things uh where it's game game breaking whatsoever yeah yeah as far as playing for different houses do you think it's different enough because i i know i know some of the houses have less side quests but i guess their side quests are longer how has that been do you feel like there's a ton of replay value in jumping back in and switching houses I, I don't. As, as playing Slytherin, I did a mission um, that I didn't have when I was in Hufflepuff, and I haven't had the mission yet where I don't think I uh, that I had in Hufflepuff, which is Hufflepuff only. I haven't had that mission yet in Slytherin, mm-hmm. but I had a, a different story beat with um, uh, Nigel Black's uh, uh, helper. Uh, what's his name? Um, Sork or Snork, whatever. I forget what his name is. Mm-hmm. The uh, but uh, I, I, there's not enough options in the dialogue to change. Like I wanted to be really like rude and like evil this time, mm-hmm. and there's not enough. There's not enough different 
different uh different words to say it's just pretty much set in its ways and you can say one line different and, and move on but other than that it's cool for the common rooms it's cool to collect the the different wardrobes and stuff like that but it's not enough there's there needs to be a morale system that would have been excellent in this game like the shadows of mordor like morale system even mm. even if it was a low grade like fable morale system with the you know the halo and the horns above your head type of thing that would have been huge uh so hopefully the, the next hogwarts they give more dialogue and make it more separated from the from the houses because they're not they're not full enough they're not different enough yeah i've because i've only played slytherin I appreciated that it let me be arrogant. It let me be kind of nasty. The, the the game that you play out in front where you pull the balls toward yourself. Um, I forget the name of it. The the, the one the one redheaded kid Summer, challenge. Summer, Summer, Summoner's Court. Yeah, Summoner's Court. And uh, he challenged me, and I kept having really bad luck and like hitting the things, and my balls would go flying off the thing. So I lost to him like four times in a row. But then when I finally beat him it let me be really arrogant and like I talked down to him and said he wasn't very good and he just needed to admit that he wasn't very good and it was like it felt super out of place because I had just lost four times to him but I <laughs> I did like that they let me they let me be arrogant they let me be kind of pompous but it did feel reined in a little bit they didn't let you be a jerk right you're just kind of confident You've got that ambition. You're kind of full of yourself. And I, I do think they wanted to keep it in the casual, approachable lane. I don't think the sorting hat asks you enough questions. I think that is no. one area where I I told people, I said, if you're really into Harry Potter, get sorted on the website first. That's more genuine. That's really fun. Yeah. We did that with my wife. I said, they literally asked you to pick one word and the word you pick is literally the house in disguise. Like, if you pick ambition, Slytherin. If you pick loyalty, you're Hufflepuff. Like, it's it's super... I might have gotten that wrong, but I think that's right okay. for at least two of them. <laughs> the, the, pro, the problem I see is if there's four houses and there's only two options to pick, like, when you're doing the dialogue, like, mm-hmm. nice and not nice, Yeah, there's not, there's not enough differentiation where if there's four playthroughs and there's four different choices, that would make it a a much better opinion, uh, much better, more choices is in my opinion. Right. So you could be like snarky or really superly kind or gullible. I don't, I don't know something more choices, especially when there's four houses. Cause if there was four different choices and I played it different each time, then I would pick kind all the way through. I would pick annoyed all the way through cocky all the way through. And and that would make the playthrough feel uh, more, you know, a lot better in my opinion. Yeah, and this is a common problem when there's dialogue options. Solemn is bringing this up. When you pick the more arrogant choices, it's usually not the same words. Like, it did kind of tone it down sometimes. I was like, I was kind of trying to be a jerk at one point to somebody, and the game, like, tempered down what I was saying. And I was like, no, I wanted to I wanted to kind of get right, up that right. guy's nose, you know? <laughs> so I do think sometimes dialogue options and dialogue trees in games like this, it's like... It looks and kind of smells like an RPG that has dialogue choices, but when you push on it, it really isn't. It's more there for a lighthearted role play. It's not meant to be yeah. that serious. And that is one area where I think they made the right choice. Had they gone with a true morality system, if they would have been like, nope, you've done too many dark arts or you've done too much of this, and they would have closed off quests or NPCs from you, 
I think people would have been frustrated by that. I think the people that this game really attracted, they wouldn't understand that, oh, I messed my game up would be what they would think. Like, oh, my game's messed up. I can't go talk to so-and-so because they'll only talk to me if I'm willing to do, you know, if I'm willing to do dark arts quests, if I'm willing to do... You know, or or if I'm willing to to ignore the dark arts, like that's the only way these people will will talk to me. I actually think that would have graded against some of this game's appeal, right? Because I hear where you're coming from, morality. I I think you'd have to choose that from the beginning. Do you want to do a morality run or not? You know? Oh, yeah, they would give you a whole separate. Yeah, I don't know, but sometimes you want to change it on the fly. Like you want to be, like the one guy might be rude to you, so you want to be rude back to him or something. You know what I mean? Like it would be a give and take type of thing. I don't know more choices better i mean I oh, what we'll i mean is you field. would you would choose from the beginning you would choose from the beginning and say i want to do a morality run which means your choices and dialogue would impact what happens oh i see what you're saying i, I thought you meant like you pick good all the way and then your options are always good right no I no no yeah no okay yeah yeah because yeah, I, I, think... I love go ahead go ahead <laughs> i was just gonna say I, I just love all the choices like that's why mass effect uh uh, Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect series to me is one of the better series because there's the actual choice of it makes you feel like it's your what your choice is. It's, it there's, there's an effect there. There's no effect here. It's just all same with the uh, when you use the dark arts. Like I, as a person myself, I have morals and stuff, and I didn't want to use the unforgivable curses in front of my teachers because I didn't want to get in trouble. But if you do, it doesn't do anything. They, they mm. don't even say anything. They don't even say like ah. Oh, where did you learn that? They don't they don't press down on you or anything. And I was just like, oh, well, that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't really respond. You can no. use magic on the school grounds. Nobody says anything. No one's like, "Oh, I can't believe you're doing that." You know what I mean? Uh Immortal Turtle says something that would have been cool would be if Quest warned you that by completing this quest, you'd insta-fail this other quest if we want to implement a morality run. But again, I think there are people that would read that and it would give them paralysis. They'd be like, I don't want that. I They, they wouldn't want... That's why I'm saying from the very beginning you would check the box. I want this to be a morality run. I want my decisions to have that kind of an effect. Even if you warn someone ahead of time, oh, if you do this dark arts quest, so-and-so is not going to talk to you anymore. It's going to fail this quest over here. It would give... It would give players like my wife like choice paralysis. They'd be like, I didn't sign up for a game to be this serious. I just kind of wanted to run around and do stuff. I don't want something closed off to me. What if I change my mind? What if I like that? Like, I do think the more casual RPG approach, I think it's fitting for the context as well as the target audience. I think they nailed their target audience. Like, they hit such a broad spectrum because guys like me and you are playing and we're not casual people that were won over we're fairly hardcore gamers but we're not potter nerds and we were won over like they they hit a really broad spectrum of player with this game yeah that's why i said i'm a hogwarts fan now like i'm i'm not i'm not a potter head i'm a hogwarts head like i i can't wait for the next game to come out like spider-man i'm waiting for spider-man 2 you know what i mean like i'm i'm waiting for this next sequel to come out i'm a fan yeah yeah well, chat, I owe you I owe you some memberships, but before I'm going to give you those memberships, I, I don't actually have, unless chat has questions for us, you could start submitting questions. I don't have much else about the game to discuss. I feel like we've kind of gone the full gamut 
of this topic, but I do currently owe you 30 members. We're at 169 members on the day. If we hit 175, I'll owe you a little bit more. If you guys have any questions, Mike, do you have any questions for me about my experience with the game? Because I've I've done one playthrough on Slytherin. My wife is on Ravenclaw, and we've been sort of playing side by side in the evening sometimes. Like we have two different TVs, dying for some just to be able to play co-op would be so fun. I don't want to do co-op in PC. That doesn't look like uh, uh, appealing right. to me. Um, I. I was just going to say something. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Man, it it just left my head completely. If you're subject to to choice paralysis there, I feel like you're going to be subject to any form of choice paralysis. Yeah, I I agree with that. That's probably true. And those people wouldn't choose a morality run then. Right. And, but that's the, that's the greatest thing. I know like the littlest thing is, is a bigger thing, but just the little references that people make, like people get a lot out of it. So like, if you had more choice of, dialogue hence why starfield's putting two hundred fifty thousand dialogue options in there you know what i mean like more dialogue is better for st- for rpgs because it makes you feel like you're like living in that world and if no matter what i do is the same two choices and it gets me to the exact same ending that kind of rips it out especially when they especially when they in the beginning of the game they tell you like oh the unforgettable curses are in the game. They really marketed that they're in the game. And we wanted to know as, as gamers, well, does that affect your playthrough? Does that make, I mean, there's a mod on PC that sends you to ask a band. If you, if you, if you use the curses, right? So I think people want stuff like that. They want to be pushed where if I use that curse around someone, someone sees me use it, then I would get caught and then I would get sentenced or something or get in trouble, go to detention. I don't know. Something that, that makes you feel more world-building than less. Because, again, it's an awesome game. It is. It's an awesome game. But if you're looking for a deep RPG, it's not that. But you'll get the dialogue. You'll get the stuff. But there's no really... It, it's fictitious choice. It's 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 going to be a choice no matter what. It, it's to the exact same ending no matter what you pick. Yeah. 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 That, I think, sometimes bothers people. I do. I think some people think, like, oh, it's not really an impact. We're not really doing anything. It's always the same ending. I I could see that. I really, really could. If you guys have been enjoying the show, make sure and smash like. I'm going to answer some questions here from people that are submitting questions. Immortal Turtle says, question for you both. With the knowledge that you guys have now, what would you have done differently in your first playthrough? Uh, I I, kind of said it already, Turtle. Um... The way I'm playing now, my second playthrough, I like to explore. And what I did my first playthrough, I explored everything. And what happened there was I was rich beyond my my imagination. So nothing came to a struggle for me. And I think my second playthrough, I actually like the struggle where I do a main quest and then I, I, I don't have the money to buy the thing at the shop. So I have to go out in the world and like explore a little bit. And then when I'm in that area, do all the things in that area. So... Like if I if I have the Merlin trial, do the Merlin trial, do all the chests, do all the things, then sell the stuff, then go buy what I need, then continue on with my with my main quest, right? So I'm I'm more efficient this time around because I know what I'm doing, but it actually feels better because I'm not running through it. Nothing was stopping me the first time because I had money and then I bought what I wanted and then I could just go continuously go through. Uh, and the reason I had 93 hours because I went everywhere and that's why I was rich because I got all the chests all the things sold all the gear uh where this time around i'm like nickel and diming like i had to buy a table and then i had 73 coin left and i was like oh god all right let me go find other things and and then sell something else 
yeah i i don't i don't know what i would have done that differently i've kind of approached the game how i wanted no no unforgivable curses no dark arts uh i've listened to tons of dialogue way more than i typically do in games like this um i've been pretty exhaustive with certain things like i do a bunch of side quests before advancing the main quests um I'm doing I'm doing my 35 members that I owe you guys. So if you're getting a gifted membership, enjoy that. Hopefully I see you tonight for the members only stream with my wife. We're doing a stream tonight and tomorrow. Uh, it's like a scary game, doubleheader horror weekend. So enjoy those. And thank you, Ant, for doing one as well. But yeah, I don't know if I would have changed that much. I don't know. Like I've really approached it the way that I would want. I think maybe as soon as I met what's his face for the for the 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 demi guys. I might have been like, you know what? I'm going to go do all these right now so that right. I can play the rest of the game with level three Alohomora. Because I th- that, I think, was probably the only thing that I really didn't like was I kept running into level two and threes that I couldn't do, and then backtracking to them was kind of a nuisance. Like, I think that'd be the only minor thing I would change is I would go, like, heavy... I'd probably go heavy on those demi guises just to get it out of the way. Like I would, gr- I would grab a a guide online and then just go get them all and be done with it. I would like to see that thing improved personally. I would like to see that particular grind changed and and, and improved. What about the storage? Did you have a problem with storage? Your playthrough? Yeah, I, yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to bring that up during our discussion. I went and did enough Merlin trials to get me to a number that's like, okay, I think I can carry like 28 things. Yeah, okay. And I'm pretty diligent. Every time I go to start a mission, I go to Hogsmeade and I sell everything. Yeah, yeah you have to do that. That's, that's it, a good tip. Yeah, that's a really good tip. You gave me that tip early on. I think you came in and you're like, yeah, you, yep. you, you, you sell see, all your stuff. You're like, don't start a mission without going to Hogsmeade first. Like, Hogsmeade's almost like you, you touch that first before you do yeah. um, any missions. And I've always thought, and this is just personal opinion, personal preference. I think creating storage pain in a game is lazy. I don't think that's like a genuine power fantasy. Now, I like that they gave intention to the Merlin Trials. Right. Like logistically and philosophically, I like if you're going to make me clear something on the map, give me an in-game benefit. Like clearing the ancient magic gives me more ancient magic to use when I'm fighting. Like that's harmonious, that's sensible. But I, st- I to this day I'm like, listen, th- this whole thing of like, yeah, you can only carry so much unless you do this thing 18 different times and then you can carry a little bit more. I just think that that's lazy. I don't feel like you're giving me a genuine power in the game. You're helping me avoid a nuisance. Like, that shouldn't be a power fantasy. Like, well, your bag's bigger now, so you don't have to go back to town as often and sell your stuff. It's like, okay, that's not that celebratory. (laughs) That's not that fun. You're creating a nuisance and helping me manage it? Yeah. It's almost like a lazy import from survival games. Like, it's not a survival game. What are you doing? Like, I think that makes sense in a survival game because then you can only carry so many apples to eat when you're out in the wild. You can only carry so many sticks to make a fire. Makes perfectly good sense in a survival game, but it doesn't make sense in Hogwarts that I'm constantly having to be like, I got to go sell these 18 top hats or I'm not going to be able to open any treasure chests on this mission. Like, I, I do think that is an area where I would get a little critical of the choices that they made. 
you just brought up something that just triggered me in mind. There's things that are around the board that you can eat, right? You grab a muffin, you grab an apple, you grab the stuff like that. I thought it was strange that obviously you have healing potions and you can just heal yourself. But once you're done with combat, if you don't touch it, you heal automatically anyway. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I I was like, well, that's kind of dumb. I mean, you have all these drinks and food things that you can interact with, but yet they don't do anything. Right. It's just the animation. It's not even a good animation. It's just you pick up an app and you take two bites and you're, and you're done with the apple type of thing. Right. I think they could have implemented where you're getting health to get back. It just doesn't come back automatically. You either use a potion or you find the food. Uh, and then eat the food or drink the thing. I thought it was disgusting that you just pick up a, a drink from like the bar that was been sitting there for God knows how long, and then you drink it. But I, I would do it yeah. on purpose and be like, I'll be like, mmm, so good, right? Like you're just drinking. Um, yeah. So there's strangers like little... backwash, yum. Yeah. And then your common room. The common rooms are fantastic. It's one of the, my favorite things in the game, but they don't do anything. They yep. don't do anything except. And I thought that was a missed opportunity. Like you wake up in your bed. And you have your owl there. It would be interesting that your owl to get your mail instead of going to your in your menu system, you would have to go to your common room to go look at the mail, right? Which mm-hmm. you do. You can interact with them and open up the mail, but maybe that should be the only place. Another thing is that it would be interesting with the keys that you find to open up that one chest to get your house uh, uh, your house wardrobe. I don't know if you've done it with the no. flying keys. So there's a chest inside each common room that if you get sixteen keys. Uh, 16 tokens it it does this like locker combination thing and you get this uh house wardrobe for you i think it would have been cool if they linked that not only to the to that wardrobe but also everything you bring back you have storage in your actual common room and that's where you would store your extra gear that you wanted to keep for later on now i know because the system's not built that way so you can just sell all your stuff but because if you once you find it you have it I feel like the common room was a missed opportunity that they had something in mind, but they kind of missed it because there's no one ever there in the common room in your bedroom during the day. And there's no one there at night when you walk in, no one's sleeping in the bed. So it's like, right. where, where are those people that were like, if they're not out and about in Hogwarts and they're not sleeping in their beds, I, I just felt like it was done really well. But at the same time, uh, there's no point. There's no point to it besides that opening moment when you walk, when you walk in. Yeah, some people have said sitting on furniture would be cool. I remember the first time I saw common rooms in the trailers, I said that. I said, okay, all right. Am I going to be able to do anything in that room, or is it just window dressing? And then I remember I saw the room of requirement, and I said, oh, this is exactly what I was thinking about. Like, you can customize it make it your own. And that's great. But then the common room is just literally a waste. Like, I remember when my wife started in Ravenclaw... I was like, your common room is so adorable. There's like bunk beds and curtains and it's all raven claw and blue. And like mine is not that at all. It's like, you know, drab and brick and kind of creepy looking Slytherin. And it's like, you don't ever really need to ever go back there. Uh, that I, I would agree is a, is a missed opportunity. That could be some of the live service element, you know? Hey, yeah. if you do these missions, if you win this cup or if you win this contest, you're going to get decorations for your common room, you know? And then you kind of have that level of investment and that world-changing effect, I, I think, could be really, really good. Yeah, like the room of requirement basically took over your common room. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, so... Yeah, and I I think Room of Requirement is where the sim game aspect comes in. It's like it feels a little bit like a sim game, feels a bit like investment. And I'll be interested to see how that plays out if they decide to do expansion, DLC, or live service. So 
Well, guys, uh, I'm going to let Mike tell you where you can find him. And thank you so much for helping us hit big membership goals today. I went ahead and gifted everything I owe you. Mike, where can they find you? And uh, and what's the kind of content that they can find right now? So I just started my, my old main channel, which was 30 and Still Gaming. That's a simulator channel now. So if you guys like Farm Sim, uh, Snow Runners, American Truck Simulator type stuff, I'm going to be putting stuff like that over on that channel but my main channel is 30 nsg which is below uh, my picture right here i do uploads uh we do news stories we do news podcasts we have a podcast on thursday nights called generation x gaming which is on at 8 p.m eastern thursday nights uh we do let's plays in the evenings and we do talk shows in the morning so lots of different content to uh come out um i have 30 and still gaming 30 nsg and then nerding with 30 which is about entertainment like uh, movies television shows and stuff like that there you go. And uh, every Friday night, my wife and I do streams just for the members. So a bunch of you got memberships today. So make sure 8 p.m. Eastern, you can set that time aside. That's basically six hours from now, wherever you are in the world. If six hours from now, wherever you are in the world, if that's a time slot that works for you, Friday nights, you can hang out with my wife and I as a member. And Thursday nights, you can hang out with Mike and his brother. Make sure and check that out. You are going to get two evening streams from me this weekend. You guys did unlock that. So a scary game tonight and tomorrow. We're going to continue our playthrough of The Devil and Me. Those Dark Anthology games are amazing. So 30 will talk in chat if you want to click on his name. That will enable you to go to his 30 and still gaming channel. Or you can click on his name in the description. The name in the description looks a little bit different. That's his 30 NSG channel. Make sure and support that. Make sure and hit like on your way out on this video. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're hanging out in the Discord so you don't miss any of our content. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time.